Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. This lecture is entitled, entitled, Riddle Me This, Riddle Me That. Yep, that's a quote from the Riddler. Subtitled, Deciphering the Riddle of Creation. I am awestruck how the further the communicational technology takes us, the less clarity we have of what is true and what is not true. Today, every civilian has unprecedented footage of the front line of combat, and every voter has at their fingertips unprecedented power of research on any candidate, and the one thing that we don't have is clarity of truth. The story of the Middle East is another perfect example. The world has a, the world has a plethora of footage and a plethora of information, everything but clarity and truth. How did this happen? Isn't knowledge and transparency an innocent man's strongest weapon of protection? And yet communicational technology has become the worst weapon of destruction against innocence and truth. Again I ask, how did this happen? The, the answer is Batman's nemesis, the Riddler. The Riddler saw its demise nearing as truth and transparency would rob him from his game, and therefore he hacked into the power of communication and made its powers his. Now, instead of having unprecedented truth and transparency, we have unprecedented falsehood and misleading riddles, casting the world into an unprecedented universal darkness, casting the story of truth and innocence further away and more untold. If you will share with me a moment of silence now, you will hear the unnerving evil cackle of the Riddler as we discuss this. How are we to overcome this? As we watch terrorism and evil forces manipulate the minds of innocent people looking for nothing more than peace, love, tolerance, and the liberty of liberalism. The answer is Batman, better known as the Dark Knight. What an antithetical name is at play here. A knight is a soldier who protects the light of innocence and goodness, while dark is the euphemism for evil. Nevertheless, this dark night is the only one who can protect us from the Riddler. My friends, I am not speaking to you of a comic strip or a movie. Rather, I am speaking to you of the deepest mystical truth of how spirituality works. Each and every one of us is searching for clarity and truth. It isn't the hard work that truth demands that leaves us in depression and misery. Rather, our sages tell us, there is no joy in the world as that of being released from doubt. This depression, misery, and agony of doubt has become far greater in modern times and is leaving our youth and the majority of the population in a paralysis of not being able to pursue happiness, for we know not in which direction to pursue it. This lecture will give clarity and guidance how to break free of the Riddler's grip. In the book of Psalms, Asaf He's the name of a person. Asaf laments about the exile with, and I quote you the verse, We have not seen our signs. There is no longer a prophet, and no one with us knows how long. Upon which Rashi comments, he quotes the words, Our signs, and he says, Which you promised us through your prophets, we have not seen them in the many days that we have been in exile. The signs that Asaf is speaking of is primarily that of God's presence and of God's protection over us. This simple definition of being in exile on a spiritual level is to not see our signs. 
these signs of God's presence and of God's love and protection. Jewish mysticism delves deeper into the wording of this verse. The Hebrew word used in the verse for our signs is ososenu, a Sephardic pronunciation ototenu. The Hebrew word ois or ot, plural that would be otiot, plural possessive it would be ototenu, suffix nu means ours. This translates also not just as signs, but in Hebrew it also translates into letters, such as the 22 Hebrew letters of the alphabet. Therefore, Kabbalah and Hasidus see this verse to mean that the definition of exile is when we don't see our letters. What does this mean? To understand this, we are going to explore the mystical evolution of creation as it is told in the book of Genesis. The key mystical word used in the story of creation is, and God said, that's the word, said. All of creation was brought about by God speaking, which means that God spoke words, and words are made up of letters. The letters of the word spoken to bring a creation into being is the very mass and form of that creation. For example, the two Hebrew words made up of a total of six letters for let there be light, Yehi or, is the very mass and form of light. How does this work, you ask? Good question. The Torah uses anthropomorphisms, which means the attribution of human, I'm sorry, means the attributing of human characteristics for God so that we can search within ourselves and our souls to understand God. Let us search what the power of letters does within us. Our soul has intellect and emotion, and the way that intellect or emotions are transmitted is through letters, which formulate words. When we are employing letters of thoughts, we are transmitting our soul's higher faculties to our conscience. And when we are employing letters of speech, we are transmitting our soul's higher faculties to others. Thus, letters are vessels and vehicles to the soul's higher faculties. When we hear people talk, the primary focus is on what they are transmitting, whether it be intellectual concept or an emotional one. Thus, the evolution here is that there is a higher being of self that is transmitted through our letters. So too it is with God's creating the world. Our sages speak of the ten utterances through which God created the world. If you look through the story of creation in the beginning of Genesis, you will find nine times the verse says, And God said. Our sages then explain that the opening word of Bereshit, in the beginning God created heaven and earth, was also an utterance. Thus you have ten utterances. The point here being that the letters used in the utterances are the very evolution of creation, carrying the mass and form of divinity that makes up that very creation, as in Yehi Or, let there be light, was a transmission of the mass and form of divinity that becomes light. In other words, view the letters, if you wish, as different shapes of drinking glasses, into which you pour water. Water in itself, being a liquid, has no definite solid form. However, the water will mold into the shape of the glass. So too, even though the infinite light has no shape or form, however, the specific letters uttered by God in creation gave mass and form to the infinite light. And thus, the letters become the very mass and form of each creation.
which now the creation has a specific mass and form in accordance with the letters used to bring this creation into being. To take this one step further in understanding the evolution of creation, there are spiritual worlds and physical worlds. For example, when Ezekiel in his prophecy of the chariot speaks of seeing the face of a lion, ox, and eagle, he isn't speaking of the physical faces of these creatures, for they don't exist physically in the spiritual worlds. Rather, when he's speaking of God, when Ezekiel is speaking of God's chariot, God's throne, he is speaking of angelic spiritual forms. For example, the face of the lion on the right side of the chariot refers to the ministering angel called Michael, while the face of the ox on the left side of the chariot refers to the ministering angel called Gabriel. What then decides whether the letters of the utterances will manifest themselves as spiritual creatures or physical creatures? Even more so, the reason that these angels are referred to as lion, ox, etc. is be precisely because angels are the spiritual source to the animal kingdom and are referred to in Kabbalah as Behema Rabbah, great animal. Thus, these very same letters of the words of the utterances created both, the physical and the spiritual. For example, the letters to the word Aryeh, lion, is the mass and formation of both Angel Michal and his troops, as well as to the physical lion and his prides. The difference is that when God used letters of thoughts, God created with that the hidden worlds, which means the spiritual worlds hidden to the human eye. And when God used letters of speech, God created the revealed worlds, which is the physical world and all its creatures. Now let us see what it means that exile is, again quoting Asaf in Psalms, we have not seen our signs, which we now know means letters. Before we do this, I want to point out an interesting teaching about a baby naming. The great Kabbalist Rabbi Isaac Luria, known as the Rizal and the Ria Kadosh, explains that parents experience a small prophecy when it comes to naming their child. This means that even though there are thought processes behind the baby naming who is being given after a departed ancestor, or even sometimes unfortunately is subject through family politics and disputes, nevertheless what will come through the conscience of the parents is a small prophecy. We can now understand the reason for this teaching. The letters of the name of the soul is the mass and form of the soul. Therefore, the soul in essence already has a name, which is the only possible name for the soul. This is the reason why a baby naming has to be a small prophecy through which the only correct already existing name of the soul is revealed to the parents. We are going to revisit this concept of names shortly as the opening verse of the book of Exodus beginning the story of exile is, and I quote, and these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt. Our sages teach us that God always creates the remedy before the illness. And thus within the opening verse to the story of the exile already lays the secret of Exodus. We will return to this shortly. However, first we must understand what exile is. So, now that we understand that God's desire of creating the universe was brought about through the evolution, transmission, and descent of the infinite light through the letters, then we must understand what exile is. True, 
any form of expression is always a descent of what lies within the higher essence. However, this was God's desire and is not a negative state of exile. Well then, what is exile? Exile is the riddler at play. The difference between a statement and a riddle is that while the statement is built upon letters of explanation, focused on giving clarity, the riddle is designed for the contrary, in which the words are precisely chosen in order to create elusiveness, misleading, and confusion. What does this mean in our context of God's letters of creation being taken into exile? God's letters of creation, which formulated the ten utterances of creation, were designed by God so that the letters themselves should have total transparency and clarity of who they came from and what they are transmitting. Let us return for a moment to the letters of thoughts that created the hidden worlds of spirituality. Angels and all other spiritual creatures, including even the Satan who was charged with challenging humans, have a very clear knowledge and understanding of being creations of God. And this clarity denies them to ever experience temptation, and all the less so actual rebellion and sinning against God. How do they know and understand God? Through the letters of their very being, the form and mass of the infinite light, being letters of clarity, rather than being letters of elusiveness. Letters of clarity is the natural state of being of the universe, before the universe was brought into a state of exile. However, along came the Riddler, which is the Satan, the evil inclination, and the egocentric animalistic soul, and began bringing opaqueness to the original transparent letters. And as that happened, the creature brought into being by the letters of God's utterance could no more see beyond the external physical product of the letters of God's utterances, and now so only themselves, which is the Riddler. With this, the Riddler brought loneliness, confusion, depression, and misery to us, as we now live in the exiled state of doubt and of lack of clarity. Before we delve into the dark night and how to free Gotham of misery, let us take a moment to get practical about exile. Our sages teach us the world stands on three things, Torah, the service of God, and deeds of kindness. Let me say this to you in a more Kabbalistic way following the point of this lecture. The ten utterances of creation stand upon the ten commandments of the Torah. In other words, the creation of the universe through the ten utterances was for the purpose of the Jewish people then living the Ten Commandments. Thus the stability of the letters of God's Ten Utterances depend upon the letters of God's Ten Commandments. Let us now see how the letter, letters of the Ten Commandments bring about a state of exile and confusion instead of bringing about a state of freedom and clarity. So first it's important to know when the sages speak of service of God they then explain that this refers today to prayers. Thus, the daily order in which we perform these three pillars are A, prayer, when we wake up, then Torah study, and then we go out into the world and do deeds of kindness. Thus, let's start with the first one, prayer. The service of prayer, the service of God within prayer, is that of an emotional dedication until we reach a tangible love and awe of God. 
This is why our sages say in the Talmud, it has been taught to love the God your God and to serve Him with all your heart. What is service of the heart? You may say, you must say prayer. That's what the Talmud says. So service of the heart, feeling love and awe for God, that is what the true service of prayer is. How does one achieve through prayer the feeling of love for God? The answer is that the service of prayer is a meditative focused concentration upon the greatness of God. For to consciously know God is to tangibly love God. Thus the service of prayer is built upon the head, the heart, and the road that connects the two, which is the neck. When the three main throughways of the neck are clear, then the flow from the meditative concentration of the mind is transmitted to the heart, and thus the consciousness of God's greatness in the mind flows most naturally into the feelings of the heart. However, the Riddler came along and begins to play its magic of confusion upon the three throughways of the neck, creating opaqueness to the letters of the mind. These three throughways of the neck are 1. The windpipe, 2. The food pipe, and 3. The arteries. On a spiritual level, when we indulge in the pleasures of eating, that's the food pipe, and in the frivolity of gossiping of words, windpipe, we created perverse passion, that's the blood of the arteries. And now the three throughways of the neck lose their transparency and clarity as they are now tainted with the opaqueness of egocentrism and entitlement. Thus the pillar of prayer has been taken away by the Riddler and suddenly prayer is no more about connecting to God but only of our own selfishness and self-seeking, praying only for ourselves and what we want out of life. Let's go to the second pillar, Torah. The words of Torah, unlike the words of prayer, are the words of God talking to us. Hence, how can studying the holy words of Torah ever not be about God? The answer is that God brought the Torah to Mount Sinai and manifested it in the laws of physical objects and physical experiences. The outcome of this is that the Talmud has an amazing methodology of how to sift through the minds of the plaintiff and the defendant, analyzing what motion is true and what motion is false. The Torah literally goes into the mind of a thief and explains his paradigm of dishonesty. The methodology of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge so manifests itself in the human paradigm that at some point we completely forget that the Torah is the Holy Word of God. This happens to the point of total arrogance and feeling of domination from the person studying the Torah towards the teachings of the Torah, where the primary focus sadly becomes, I think, I say, I believe, rather than humbly asking of God to reveal His wisdom into our conscience. Actually, the only way to protect ourselves from falling into this trap is through the meditative concentration of prayer in the morning before we study. Otherwise, the mere fact that the Torah study demands of us to apply our brains is a slippery slope into not being able to see the giver of the Torah in the words of the Torah. Thus, here again, 
the Riddler took over the pillar of Torah, denying stability and clarity even in our Torah study, obscuring us from seeing God even in His Torah. The third pillar, deeds of kindness. The Jewish perspective of doing deeds of kindness is not built upon humanitarian causes, but upon divine causes. Our acts of kindness towards all of those in need are because God commanded us to do so and to care for each human being that all people are created in the likeness and image of God. To make our deeds of kindness about our personal feelings and opinions upon humanitarian obligations is to taint the pillar of deeds of kindness into being about us rather than being about God and truth. In greater measure, the pillar of deeds of kindness includes our working on all of our character defects such as anger, superiority complex, lust, etc. Here too we must focus our primary purpose not on self-perfection, but on opening ourselves up to a clear and conscious relationship with God. To make this about our perfection and our ego is to hand over this pillar as well to the Riddler. So, are you ready to meet Batman, the Dark Knight, in our Torah portion? Well, this is the opening verse of our Torah portion. And these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. The emphasis here are on A, the names, and B, to Egypt. The verse could have simply said, and these are the people who came to Egypt. However, the verse emphasizes, and these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt. Why? Remember what we said about the true definition of a name? The definition of a name is that it reveals the very letters of God's utterance of the person's mass and form of the infinite light of his existence. There are two interesting powers to the name of a person. A. When a person faints, calling his name into his ear has proven to bring him back. Why? Because the name of a person touches the very core of his soul and draws the soul's powers back into the body. This is also the reason for B, the second interesting fact. When a person is engrossed in a phone conversation, for example, sometimes we find that even tugging on his hand or sleeve won't catch his attention. However, when you call him by his name, he stirs out of his engrossed conversation. It is very difficult to ignore your attention from your name being called because, as we said, the name the name are the very letters of the mass and form of divinity from which our soul is brought into being. The emphasis of the verse saying that these are the names of the sons of Israel is speaking of the dedication to a clarity of identity in which the identity of the sons of Israel is the consciousness of Hero Israel, God is our God, God is one. On the other hand, the verse is telling us that we are speaking of the Jewish people going into exile, into darkness and confusion, of which the king of Egypt said to Moses, and here's a quote, Who is God that I should listen to him? Thus, when the verse tells us that we are speaking of these are the names of the sons of Israel, it is telling us that we are speaking of the knights. And when it tells us who came to Egypt, it is telling us that we are speaking of the dark nights. 
those who are knights even in a state of darkness, and of those who are the knights that will transform the darkness into clarity and transparency once again. Yes, my friends, we are the dark knight, and we must fight the Riddler, bringing back clarity and transparency to the letters of God of the universe. In closing, the lesson is quite clear to those of us who are looking for the inner peace that only clarity can offer and that confusion and doubt has robbed us from. So here's a to-do list. We must stop playing with the Riddler. How do we do that? A. We must give up manipulation in any and in every form. B. We must live with to thy own self be true. C. We must have meditative prayer concentrating on God every day. D. We must humbly study every day God's Word, remembering that it is God's Word here to elevate us and not to be arrogantly validated by us. And last E. We must do selfless good deeds every day. So, it's off to the Batcave as we rid ourselves, our relationships, and our environment of the Riddler day by day, thought by thought, word by word, and action by action. Friends, modernity offers growth, and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.